Have you ever branded cattle? No, I, I haven't like been in charge of branding, so to speak. My granddad, actually an actual cowboy, uh, I used to take to show and tell when they would come visit in elementary school. Yeah, he'd do rope tricks and all that stuff. Do you know how to do a rope tricks? No, hone boots and live in Texas. Uh, I do have a cowboy hat, but no, I've never punched a cow. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. All right, here we are, episode 67, digital and branding, as you know, since you've downloaded this episode. As always, uh, this is Reed here with Chris. How's it going? Hola, Reed. How's it going down there in Austin, Texas? It's good. So this, as you hear it, uh, will be the first time in a couple of weeks that you're not listening to an episode uh, that we recorded from the same room, right? That's right. That's right. couple of episodes in a row from uh, the beautiful city of Salt Lake City. (laughs) (laughs) And anybody that's listened to the previous episodes will get that joke. So anyway, that was a good trip. Got to talk to a lot of great people. One of those you'll hear is an interview today on this episode Mm -hmm. and probably many more episodes to come. But anyway, a lot of great stuff. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Look forward to doing that again. It's always fun to see everybody. There were a lot of great sessions down there at that conference. the, the one that I, that stood out to me was Matt Gov, of course, talking about AI. And he threw down the gauntlet saying that in the future, he doesn't even want a website. He just wants a chat bot. Mm-hmm. So th- there's a lot of other great stuff that was there. So if anyone has missed the Foreign for Healthcare Strategist Conference, I think you can go out there and you can actually order the recordings of some of the sessions or whatever. It was a great time. Great time. And always good to see everybody, especially this is a time that we get to see all of our uh, all of our sponsors. So that's always good and uh, enjoy visiting with them, seeing what all they have new. One in particular, uh, show a little bit of love to here in the front part of the show is Loyal. As people know, Loyal has an AI-driven platform, provides healthcare systems with the tools they need to amplify uh, not only patient feedback, but it helps guide patients through uh, what would be, I guess, their digital journey. They have a lot of people, a lot of smart people, and we actually interacted with them when we were out there at the conference, multidisciplined uh, engineers, marketers, data scientists, and all of them work together with some of the nation's leading health systems, like the aforementioned Matt Gove, to promote patient loyalty through a smarter digital patient experience. For more information on they do, on everything that they do, including AI-driven offerings, you can schedule a demo. At the very least, you can visit them online over at loyalhealth.com and certainly let them know that we sent you that way. Well, so that's some good branding on their end, but Reed, today we're going to be talking about branding as a topic. That's right. We haven't talked a whole lot about that. I guess we've talked around it, maybe mentioned it a time or two through the previous mm-hmm. 66 episodes. Uh, we haven't really addressed it head on. I- well, let's let's go ahead and let's jump in and, and do that today. And of course, like we typically do when we start off the show about topics that are commonly misunderstood, we want to set the table with talking about what we consider to be branding. So Reed, you being down in Texas, I think you have a different perspective on what branding is. Well, if you look in Wikipedia, they do a nice job of delineating between marketing which is what we're going to talk about today, and what they call physical markings, making a mark typically by charring. Here in Texas, we would consider that livestock branding, some sort of an emblem or marking on an animal that then indicates who owns said animal. Whereas when when we talk about marketing branding, it's more of some kind of physical mark that's typically denoted by tchotchkes that you wear, like T-shirts and hoodies and water bottles yeah. and things like that, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, looking at the Wikipedia definition, under marketing, not physical markings, they talk about brand as a name, logo, slogan, and or design scheme associated with a product or service. 
They make it sound so simple. I think it's a little bit more than that. We'll dive into that a little bit today. Just from that definition that Wikipedia says, is brand just a name, logo, slogan, and or design scheme? Well, it's easy to think that way, right? Because that's the, that's the way we talk about it. Because even further down, you see one of their sub-bullets is co-branding. And that's a very easy one. Like, especially if you're a hospital, you may, you may co-brand the 5K with Susan G. Komen. Right. right. Or whatever, right? So you do. there's a lot of co-branding that goes on with uh, other entities in your community, potentially. So, yeah, it's easy to think about it as just like your logo. Yeah, sure. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's just your logo, but it could also be much more than that, right, Reed? I mean, it's it's much more than logo. And I'm not talking just about colors and color schematics of your website. When you talk about branding, a lot of times that goes into what we call brand experience, right? Yeah, it's, it's the feeling that's elicited when... Uh, someone mentions your name. So when they say Northeastern Regional Medical Center, mm-hmm. well, immediately people from like that community, they're going to think something. Something's going to pop into their head, right? One is uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've, never had, they've never had an experience there, right? Like they, they, they don't, maybe you're good, maybe you're bad. I don't know. I don't care. You know, haven't ever thought about you guys. That unfortunately is probably part of your brand to that person. Uh, it could be a, a very negative scenario, which are very hard to shake. I remember the hospital that I was at there in Central Texas, a small community, sole community provider, and, and I would talk to people in the community and they'd be like, oh, I'd never come there. You know, and then they would go into this like diatribe around what had happened to their grandfather. Oh my gosh, when, when did this happen? Well, 19, let's say, what would that have been, 82 or 83? And you're like, 82 or 83? So this stuff hangs around for generations because they don't have any firsthand knowledge. So now they're getting the knowledge secondhand, even thirdhand. And that's all you know, becoming part of your brand and, and the way people feel about you. Now, people that have been there and had you know, life-changing experiences, everything from maybe having a child, which is not, not run-of-the-mill, but maybe a little more typical, to you, know, you actually save someone's life, right? They came through the ER and it's some traumatic you know, scenario. They have a very different opinion of you and the experience that they had is going to be very different. And so all that's part of the brand. All of that brand experience can cascade into just about everything that you do with them from how do you greet them at the door when they walk into the building or the, you know, how warm was the meatloaf when they served it to you? How clean were the bathrooms? Right. Or how, how friendly was the support staff? Mm-hmm. You know, all of that stuff kind of leads into that overall brand experience that you may have. And that's why when a lot of people talk about the overall customer experience in hospitals, they look at all of those things, you know, from soup to nuts. One of the things that they're starting to get into and we've been, you and I have been working with a lot of hospitals that are looking at this, is how does digital intersect with that and how can we start using digital to help uh, support that brand? And But there's one thing I want to talk about around brand. If you have that connection between your brand and that experience, does that lead to reputation? And is reputation the same thing as brand management? It could be. Because stuff gets tied together, right? And so certain, even you go back to what it says here, name, logo, uh, logo slogan, et cetera, like those still elicit something. Even if you don't have a feel for that organization, if you don't like the color yellow, not that you just flat wouldn't go there, but you're going to be turned off a little bit, you know, even if it's, you know, not right, you know, top of mind. And even slogans, I, you know, again, same hospital, <laughs> rebranding exercise and rebranded the hospital. But the, but the previous slogan was, we treat you like family. And I was like, is that good? I, I guess that's good if you're the Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah. Well, or if you have a good family. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, you know, we treat you like family may not always be the most positive slogan. Anyway, I mean, I think there's a lot of these things that uh, tie back to ultimately how people feel about you and the rating and review sites and, and what people say about you and your online reputation is all part of that now. When we start talking about digital in effect, what we're we're talking about all of these things: the experience, your, the reputation, you know, the logo, the colors, all of that stuff kind of falls into that overall brand of the organization. But I have to say, Reed, I found some really great, incredible 
brand promises that are out there. Oh, boy. Uh, like, you know, world-class care close to home. I'm pretty sure I work with at least nine organizations that have that tagline. I'm kidding. No, so world-class care close to home. Just mm-hmm. from a definition standpoint, wonderful. Do brands have to be unique to that organization? And I would say that effective brands have sort of a uniqueness to them. And that's based on the fact that how people relate to their experiences with that organization. Let's get into the digital parts of this then, right? Let's talk about digital and branding because, you know, we're not brand experts. We actually interview one later on in our podcast. But you and I, we own the digital space and we've been involved with digital and branding before. So why don't we start with that? When you're talking about digital branding, then that means you have to have the logo on your website Mm -hmm. and the right colors uh, of your website to align with the colors of your brand, right? Is that all you need? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about consistency. So we found a, we're going to reference a couple of articles throughout, you know, uh, throughout this uh, conversation. We'll link to them in our show notes. But one of the ones that we're, let's start with is one around smart, from Smart Insights that's called uh, What is Digital Branding? And they actually try to start with talking about how do you define this concept of digital branding. Uh, the first thing is that they, they bring up uh, some digital attributes that are supported by global brand perception research that was conducted by Nielsen a couple of years ago. 92% of customers state that they trust earned media, such as word of mouth and recommendations from friends and family above other forms of advertising. Now, we can draw direct parallels between that and some online tools that are out there, right? You know, that's not shocking because we've seen an increase in digital advertising. So I think that's going to natively drive people to word of mouth and, you know, some of those types of things. So what they talk about here, that there's basically four roles uh, digital plays uh, in brand building. First one being that it, it amplifies the offering. That's pretty logical if you think about it, right? In a similar way, I guess, it also, one of their other ones is supports the offering. I've been doing this exercise where I'm kind of mapping customer journeys and how they're using our digital channels uh, as they're going through their journey. And if you think about it, the amplification kind of comes at at the beginning. Maybe they find out about your brand in the awareness phase, right? And they come across your brand. And then what, what happens is if you're consistent with sort of your tone and your voice and you're providing content that reinforces your brand promise, that is a great way to amplify the offering. And along the way, if you're doing it right, you're guiding them to select you through that journey. And so therefore, the the digital channels can help support that choice selection that they're making by providing relevant content to the right people at the right time. So if you think about it, amplify and supporting are kind of go hand in hand when you're looking at online digital content, when you're looking at tools that actually kind of support that entire journey. You know, another one they talk about is uh, creating a brand building platform. You know, the first thing that comes to mind for me when I hear that is is like affinity groups and some things like that. You know, we've got the ability, you know, from an advocacy standpoint to, you know, attract, engage and, you know, empower some of these folks to carry the brand forward. Because we, we just heard what was that stat like 92 percent or something. And, and that was up like, I don't know, like 20 percent over the last 10 years. And so. Uh, that that's a good way to do that. You know, that's that's where people want to be. Social media is a great place to start to build those brand advocates. And when you talk about the brand building platform, that's a great place for it. Online reviews is another great place where you could start to create those platforms and start to embrace those ratings and the, the transparency, press gaining scores or what have you, and bring those reviews onto your own website. What you're doing is you're creating a variety of different digital channels to support brand building. Some of these, well, may, well, actually all of them overlap, I guess. And so you've got amplify the offering, support the offering, create a brand building platform, and then ultimately amplify a brand building platform. So I don't think that's you know a hard concept, I guess, maybe to wrap your mind around. And there's lots of great examples out here, and they have several of them here in the in the article, everybody from Nike to Subway to Red Bull, you know, et cetera. And so you can get some good examples of kind of what that looks like. When you're thinking about amplifying the brand messaging platform, I think about 
tools like email, marketing automation, or things that are actually used at certain points in conjunction with all these other digital channels to really drive, reinforce those brand differentiators to help people along that user journey, getting them to engage and evaluate and ultimately select your solutions, your products, your services, whatever it might be, you can apply digital in multiple different ways. And that'll continue to evolve, I would assume, you know, based on platforms and, you know, all the new outlets that we're presenting every day. But Reed, we're kind of, we're kind of dancing around the fact of like, branding as as something that differentiates you in the marketplace and going into branding that helps to support that experience. And I know in our very first episode, we talk about user journeys and we talked about, you know, how when we try to map out user journeys, all the different channels and, and tools that you can use to actually support that. One of the things that branding it can really be used for is sort of reinforcing that experience and actually developing a way that you can bond with that brand. Yeah. I mean, you want to like it. That's, that's the whole deal, right? I mean, you do business with people you trust and you, you, you want to be involved with organizations that you like. I mean, that's, that's the whole, that's what we're doing here. So we're trying to get people to like us not only like us, but really loyal to us. I think that becomes really important in this mm-hmm. age of consumerism. People are loyal to a brand to a point, but then if a new brand comes along, they can actually very quickly turn on a dime and start to support that brand. I think there was some some work that recently I, I saw that the advisory board did that said something like 70% of consumers are actively not loyal with a healthcare brand. 70% of consumers are out there, and they're basically free players, right? You, you have to continually reinforce and be top of mind with them. Otherwise, they're going to go with the next latest you know, trend or whatever it might be. Sure. Maybe today they're loyal to your hospital system, but tomorrow that urgent care center that's started up by Walmart or whomever may be more convenient to them. And so now all of a sudden they're more loyal to that brand. Yeah, it's it's a hard play, right? I mean, you've got to really, oh man, you've got to really, really have an, an offering that people care about, mm-hmm. because so much of healthcare is going to be based off of convenience and geography and things like that. You know, I think we've seen some folks do some really, really great work in this area in this space, especially as it relates to uh, some specialty hospitals. So you take somebody like an MD Anderson. I get the fact that the acuity there and what that what they're dealing with cancer is going to I guess lend itself to people traveling. It's not a it's not an ER visit. It's not a one and done. Right, you're gonna have to go over and over again, et cetera, et cetera. But people travel from all over the state of Texas, all over the South, all over the you know all over the world probably to go to MD Anderson. And I'm not gonna sit here and make a case that their care is better than everybody else's. Uh, Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's the point. I think the point is they've done a really great job of branding. Now, again, it has to be backed up by good care or ultimately (laughs) that's that's a short-lived, you know, it's a flash in the pan and then everybody's like, yeah, it's not worth it. Apple's ads with the I'm a Mac, I'm a PC were cool and that was great branding. But if Apple's products weren't any good, nobody'd have them, and they wouldn't have commercials anymore and stuff like that, right? I mean, so you still have to deliver on the product side of the equation. You sure do, because because ultimately that product, that service, that experience is ultimately what drives the overall brand. We've we've talked about this before, Reed. It used to be in the olden days, in the olden days when I first started, right? You provide world-class care, top care, you have the best doctors, you know, you're, you're providing the, you know, the, the highest level of quality of care, that really delineated your brand from everybody else. Now, as healthcare is starting to get more consumerized and more diluted, I would say, with consumer expectations, things like experience, convenience, uh, closeness to your to where you live or variety of different op of care delivery options is starting to kind of blend into that overall brand perception so is it now are we at an age where having the best doctors is enough or or is it only that branding matters the higher the acuity is 
Interesting. Have we commoditized the bottom end, you know, i.e. the urgent care ER, the episodic pieces? Is that commoditized enough that branding doesn't matter? Is it only, is branding only really for the higher acuity, uh, maybe the elective stuff? Interesting. So if you look, if you try to imagine like the funnel of, of traditional marketing, where it goes from awareness all the way into consideration selection, are you saying that those top level points where, you know, like the urgent cares and the primary cares and all that stuff, the brand doesn't really matter at that point. But once you get them into the funnel, you have to use your brand assets to channel them through and actually just start to build that affinity to ultimately lead them to when they have those acuity. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. I mean, now granted, don't get me wrong. I think there's there's something to be said for having a relationship on, on the primary care end of the spectrum. You would like to have a primary care physician that you have a great relationship with and you go to over and over again. Yeah, that's the ideal scenario, right? However, if you're predominantly healthy, you don't deal with any comorbidities, you don't have cancer, you know, whatever, you know, any of that kind of stuff, you know, and you're, you're a healthy, younger person. So you're going to have allergy issues. You're going to get the flu, maybe strep every so often, et cetera. It's almost predictable to some degree, right? Is that part, like, what does branding play in that? I mean, nothing. Is it, is it literally just about awareness at that point? And I'm going to the most convenient place for me, which may be telemedicine. Maybe it's offered through my work and I can get on my phone. Uh, I mean, shoot, I saw, what was that the other day? Wendy Sue Swanson that we all know, physician, uh, uh, blogger, and up at uh, Seattle Children's. She's a pediatrician. I, th- I have to go back and look, and so I may be completely off base for even bringing this up. But I could have sworn she had a primary care visit via text message uh, through some new service or something. So wow. So the point being, it's like you know, is some of that to the place that like convenience is the brand. Wow. And that's why I guess uh, people are really threatened by Amazon coming into the space, right? Mm-hmm. Or some of these other disruptors that, that have uh, an ownership on how they understand the retail and the consumeristic landscape. That's really interesting. But Reed, this, this dovetails nicely into that other article that we found from Media Vision. Yeah. Uh, which is called The Importance of Brand Building in the Digital Age. And in uh, in this article, they actually outline a couple of, of points that might be interesting for us to kind of walk through. One of the first things they said, right, is that branding is a tool for developing and maintaining a competitive advantage. And they, they address the fact that in this, you know, that, that because there's so much noise out there for digital media, staying competitive is even more of a daily challenge. And that's where the digital tools can really help with that. Because, you know, everything we talk about with these digital media tools, the ability to target, to hyper-localize your content, to really start to deliver relevant messages to people wherever they are in the continuum of their their pathway to care, digital really can provide you a leg up, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's exactly what we've been talking about. Because again, if you're on that end of the spectrum, I'm not even going to call it the lower end of the spectrum because I don't don't think that's fair. But if you're on the the side or end of the spectrum where um, it's about convenience, like you know you have the flu, you know, you're just trying to, you're just trying to get Tamiflu or whatever. You're trying to get a prescription, right? Is really all you're trying to do. Like you don't need anybody to diagnose anything. Then yeah, I mean that that's where we are from a branding standpoint, and that is the competitive advantage um, is being able to put things in front of people at the right time. And that kind of goes into that second point of online users are more autonomous than they ever were. So everybody's got all the information in the world at their fingertips. And they're used to being autonomous, right? They're used to having these tools now. So a lot of, a lot of things that I'm looking at is what, how are we providing these self-service tools? Uh, they say here, a well-defined brand is essential for distinguishing your product or service. But really, if you could provide some kind of online experience where you help them search for a doctor, make an online appointment, pay your bill, what you're doing is you're providing some of these digital online experiences tying into their autonomy, their sense of autonomy, and allowing yourself more touch points with them throughout that potential branding process. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. 
you know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. The next point they say is that um, brands have less control over what is said about them online, that users have access to opinions from other users, which really heavily influence their purchase decisions. Well, digital plays a role there, too. Yeah, I mean, everything from, I mean, simple things like monitoring, maybe not simple, but things like monitoring, you know, digital plays that role of, you know, uh, aggregating and assessing how you're viewed as a brand, uh, but then also allows you to participate in those conversations to hopefully help shape that conversation. Online reputation management, even like trying to help promote or amplify positive perceptions of your brand and addressing those negative perceptions in a transparent way. Uh, next one, the online uh, customer relationship rarely ends with the sale. Um, so I think that's even more probably true in, in healthcare. Uh, sale is probably not the right way to say it, but that initial visit or that initial encounter. So we talk about readmission rates. We talk about all these things, right? And so you think about how digital plays a role in making sure People are informed after they go home, what to take, what not to take, what to eat, what not to eat, when to exercise again, when not to overdo it, you know, whatever, uh, staying in contact and making sure that from, not only from an adherence or a compliance standpoint, they're doing what they should be doing, but so you can understand, you know, are things going the way that they should be going and, and head off potential issues and things like that. So. There's digital things like that, more on the clinical side of the equation. And again, we're seeing kind of the blurring of the lines there. Uh, and a lot of that's your brand, right? I mean, if you go home and this nurse checks on you and this happens and that happens and all, you know, you feel cared for, that goes into how you view that organization going forward. Oh, gosh, it sure does. So tools like CRM, marketing automation come to mind, you know, things that you can actually have that long time relationship with and be able to measure those interactions and kind of drive that. Even apps and things like that can play a role in this space. Yep. That's interesting. Okay, the next bullet is around, it, it, this is interesting because we, we said this earlier without hitting this list, right? Say goodbye to the funnel model because today there are various touch points where users engage with brands and every touch point with your organization that's online gives you an, an opportunity to reinforce the branding by ensuring ensuring a consolidated message and a consolidated experience. And we talk about you know you talk about this in, in all aspects of business, I guess. But you know you always hear people. I say you know I say that a lot. You always hear people say things. I guess you do. I don't know who says this, but it seems like I've heard it. You know, it's easier to uh, retain a customer than find a new one. Well, if you think about healthcare, uh, I mean, just think about the idea of like someone shows up to have a baby, right? And then where that goes from there for the baby, for the mom, for other members of the family, you know, so it's not just a real clean, we're going to throw people in the top of a funnel and out the bottom comes encounters and, you know, business or whatever. Okay, next one, in addition to paid and owned media, strong digital branding has the advantage of earned media. So, yes, I think it kind of, what is that acronym? Is it like PESO or something like that? I'll think of it here in a second. But anyway, the idea of of paid and owned media, we've obviously thought about. But again, going back to this idea of brand and what the community thinks of you and brand advocates, internal advocates, etc., I think it makes a lot of sense. And digital is the one that kind of pulls and is the glue that kind of holds all those things together. Peso is paid, earned, shared, and owned. The peso model. I've never heard that before. That's 
something new that I learned there. I always like it when I learn a new acronym. Is that only in Texas? <laughs> Even further south in Texas, mm-hmm. apparently. Mm-hmm. All of those different ways that you can actually use digital is really important. And then in extension, right? It's like it's branding. This is one of the the, the few uh, another bullet point here. Branding is not only about your product or service; it's about how you engage with people, your your customer service, yeah. your sales process, your employees, and everything. And digital has radically transformed all of those different ways. So now you're you're talking about like measuring online patient experience. You're talking about how do you you measure the journey? How do you optimize the journey through your digital channels? How do you start aligning mm-hmm. uh, your sales process and your outreach? How do you start you know? And and in healthcare, we're tracking all of this online so that we're able to give real time feedback to different parts of the business to help improve the overall branding experience. I mean, it's it's incredible how much digital has changed that. Maybe this is a touch point, touch counterpoint topic. I don't, I don't know. Maybe we come down the same side on this. But if your product's good enough, can you just get away with all the rest? <laughs> that might be a good argument for us. I, in my, uh, you know, I have a friend uh, uh, that actually says in in this world of digital, there's no more room for crappy products. That's true. So if you if you have the best widget, is that okay? Can you be rude? I mean, I know it's not that quite that clean, but anyway. <laughs> all right. And then the last one, branding has always been about uh, connectedness. So I think that just, you know, it kind of brings all this together. So anyway, good article, uh, good bullet points in here. And there's, there's a lot more to this article, obviously, uh, than just what we kind of went through. But I um, encourage you to check that check that out so so read there's a lot to digital ex- digital branding and ultimately what we're talking about is digital experience mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i guess the question comes up how do you measure digital experience i think it goes back to what we've always talked about you have volume metrics you have engagement metrics you have roi metrics or financial metrics maybe and so you know if you're really wanting to measure engagement to some degree you can't wholly measure that you've got to make some inferences or maybe uh, assumptions about some things and so I mean you take into account how people engage with you across all the channels maybe we could come up with a algorithm for that we definitely have to come up with some kind of algorithm but part of it is like so you have to measure consistency across all your digital channels which is in and of itself a little difficult to do people engage with you on facebook a lot differently than they engage with you let's say if they get an email from you or if they go to your website so how do you how do you develop a, a consistent experience i think that's why a lot of organizations are trying to look at that elusive customer journey and helping to map the journey Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's, it's even looking at the rating review scores that you know, a lot of the data that I've been pulling, right, which is Facebook, uh, Yelp, and Google scores for hospitals and, and the volume of which that happens across different states and parts of the country or whatever. Facebook's always going to be higher. You're always going to have a higher score on Facebook because there's a fan base there, right? So the engagement level on Facebook and the way people participate there is different than Yelp and Google. And so if you talk about brand engagement and what people think of you uh, and how you measure that, you've got to take some of those things into account. You know, the short answer is if someone writes a review on Yelp, they probably don't like you for the, for the most <laughs> part. Because why else would you write a review about a hospital on Yelp? You know, is, is the, is the sentiment, true. right? And they'll probably take that review and copy and paste it to every other digital channel oh, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we start to look at digital and the role of, of digital in branding and branding efforts, it's much more than being able to be consistent with your logo and your color schemes across all your platforms. I think it's important, right? And you want to definitely have a mark, a branding logo mark that can fit in a social media square icon space. Mm-hmm. That's important, people. But, I mean, it's much more than that. It's really looking at and analyzing all your different channels and how they work together and and how that experience is actually laddered up. Well, I think a lot of the experiences is are people finding what they need to find when they need to find it, right? So kind kind of not the opposite, but maybe the other side of the coin of are we putting the right things in front of the right people? Well, 
the flip side is, is are people finding what they need to find? So a lot of the things that you and I were talking about, even off air about, you know, bounce rates, times on, you know, time on page, pages per visit, you know, those types of things. I think we used to look at that and go, well, we want a really low bounce rate. Uh, we want super high, you know, time on page and pages per visit. You know, we want people just hanging out here all day. And I don't, and I don't know that that's the right answer anymore. Because theoretically, you know, if we do this right, then people are going to find what they need to find uh, immediately or almost immediately, get it and leave. Therefore, the bounce rate is going to be high, the time on pages is going to be low, and they're going to visit one, maybe two pages. So it's the opposite of what we used to consider success from a metric standpoint. And I would argue that that's true in most cases, at least for those convenience ones. But when you're starting to get into making careful decisions around, let's say you have, you're diagnosed with cancer, uh, you're doing some, you know, some very deep research on a complex care, transplants or whatever, then maybe you do, maybe at that point in time, the way you measure that bounce rates, time on pages is a little bit different than if you're looking for an urgent care, right? That's, that's absolutely fair. I mean, I think the last numbers I saw, which are probably several years old at this point, but like bariatric surgery, for example, folks will spend a couple of hours a week for up to two years before they make a decision. And again, that's that's several years old. So maybe that's changed. I'm not sure in which direction that would change, but it, it may have changed a little bit. But the point being is you're right. So as the acuity goes up, maybe it's even, even the elective procedures, so bariatrics, sleep, orthopedics, plastics, uh, et cetera, those metrics need to be held out differently. And so maybe it's not, maybe that's the answer is it's like we're not looking at those you know, bounce rate, time on page, pages per visit, site as a whole, right? We're, we're looking at it based on persona or we're looking at it based on service line or, you know, those types of things. Because you're right, if, if, you're, if, it's a, if it's a geographical thing or a convenience thing, urgent care, freestanding emergency rooms, the contact us page, you know, those types of things, uh, screenings, I don't know, online assessments, whatever, uh, all the way through some of these higher acuity things like you mentioned um, we, we, we can't, it's not apples that we can't hold them all to the same, the same metric benchmark. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've, we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to InfluenceHealth.com. Touchpoint. Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready? Fight. Okay, now we're starting the uh, the touchpoint touch counterpoint segment of the podcast. And Reed, you alluded to this earlier in our conversation. I thought it might be good for us to revisit and really kind of you know dig into this and have a little bit of a, a, a scuffle around it. Uh, you indicated, I think you said something to the effect of, you know, if the product's okay, is that all you need in order to make it in this world? I guess what you're, I, I, and maybe I said that the wrong way, but it sounds to me like what you're arguing is, does branding really matter in this digital space? Yeah, so I guess my point is, is if the product's good enough, does anything else really matter? So this is the whole, what's the Seinfeld deal, the soup Nazi deal or whatever, right? That, that's what this is. If you have the best soup, like who cares about the experience? Well, okay. 
<laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm glad that you take that side because I would argue against that. I would argue vehemently against that. I think the experience is a very big part of this, uh, part of the overall healthcare experience and for us in hospitals and health systems. I think there was some studies that were done that say if you are in a very nurturing, caring environment where it's a very good experience and you reduce the friction, you reduce the stress of that care experience, that patients tend to not only recover faster, but they tend to have a higher loyalty to your brand. And so it may not matter for that one particular encounter, you know, that, that, um, but it will matter for the lifetime of that patient or that individual when they have a loyalty towards your brand. But is the brand built on the fact that this is the best doc? This is the, the, a four, you know, th- this is the guy, right? I mean, this is, uh, the best EP doctor in the world. I mean, do we care? Do I care about his bedside manner at that point? Or do I just want to get fixed? Because I'm not going to see or talk to this guy or interact with this system. Uh, not every, you know, especially once, you know, if, if things go as planned, uh, hopefully never again, right? And so it's like, you know, you know, is he a jerk? Is the system, you know, a pain? Is the food the best? I don't know. And who cares? I I get what you're saying when it comes to like, you know, if you have a very ultra rare disease, but even then, you know, you want to make sure that your care experience and the overall brand experience uh, is, is, is top notch, because quite frankly, it's going to provide a better loyalty and affinity with your brand. And in this day and age, the power of the consumer is such that if you do have a, if you do deliver a poor brand experience, but good quality experience, which I think is what you're arguing, what's going to happen is they're going to be able to talk about, well, yeah, they able, they were able to fix me. They were able to remove this little you know, tumor in me or whatever, but don't go there if you don't have to. And so by default, what you're doing is referring the majority of the healthcare traffic and and the word of mouth traffic to other places where they have better experience. I think experience matters a lot. But do we care? If I get all the high acuity stuff and I, I'm the best in the world at this, I'm never going to have to do patient growth strategies ever again. Like people will just come. Like they'll just come here and because I'm the best to ever do this. And then if you bring in and attract the best that ever can do this, then what they're going to do is they're going to turn around and they're going to say, I'm available to the hospital that's going to pay me the most. You're running a very slippery slope. What if that doctor leaves? What if that, you know, that wing closes? What if something changes? What if the acuity level of that particular of, of that patient population that you're serving suddenly shifts and no longer that service is needed? Then, then you're kind of sunk. You're building your strategy on the, the best of the best. I think that's a slippery slope, my I friend. Know. I think that... I don't know. I mean, th- think about this for a second. So James Andrews that does the all the orthopedic stuff for all the pro athletes, right? I mean, clinically, I assume he's very good. Every pro athlete in the world goes to this guy um, when they tear their ACL or, you know, need shoulder or elbow reconstruction or whatever, you know, all the, all the athletic-related cases. So everybody that's anybody goes to this guy, right? What's the experience like there? I have no idea. No clue. But I can tell you he's the best in the world because that's where all the pro athletes go. And he's the team doctor for X, Y, and Z. And so he's part of a healthcare system. Well, what does that do to that healthcare system? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have any idea what the experience is like there. What I think you're arguing, though, is that his individual brand supersedes that of the hospitals. Yeah, that's crazy, right? That is. But in that scenario, branding still matters because, Reed, you were talking about this physician and his brand. 
So branding still is important. It's just how do you leverage that brand in every particular instance? And in this particular case, I think it is a slippery slope. And having worked at hospital systems where we've had rock star physicians and seeing kind of the, you know, the, 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 the path of destruction they, they cause within a health system and then watching them leave for the highest paid competitor out there, you know, it, it, it becomes really difficult. I think that hospitals and health systems have to pay mind to overall brand as well as individual brand of their physicians. Yeah, probably so. And, and, and honestly, it's like, and I think that even reinforces to some degree the idea of brand, right? Because I just mentioned Dr. James Andrews. Uh, I think it's called the Andrews Institute. I have no idea. And what is their logo? No clue. You know, it's about uh, clinical outcomes. It's about experience. It's about all of that. I mean, all of that is the brand. So brand still matters, just in different ways. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Experts section of our podcast. And I have the distinct privilege of meeting with a good friend of mine, Rob, with Springboard Marketing. Rob, you and I have known each other for many years, yes, and you are known as the person around marketing. Why don't you tell some of our listeners who may not know who you are a little bit about yourself, your background, and your company? Sure, sure. Thanks, Chris. So I'm Rob Rosenberg, and I'm president of Springboard Brand and Creative Strategy. We're outside of Chicago. I've been in business for 16 years, and before that, I was a partner in a company called SRK. Some of your listeners might know. That was a very uh, one of the pioneers in the industry, Arthur Sturm, started that company about 35 years ago, and I was with him for about 13 years, and then uh, spun off and, uh, and sprung Springboard back in 2002. And today we're working with health systems across the country, medical associations, uh, B2B firms looking to sell into hospitals, physician practices, and other interesting health product and service companies. Okay, so the topic of branding is sometimes misunderstood, would you say, in hospitals and health systems? Let's start off with you maybe giving us your definition of brand and then specifically like how you you yourself have been working with brands. Yeah, sure. Uh, You're right. There's, uh, I think last time I checked, there's about 142 different terms associated with the word brand from logo to color to identity to name to an ad so all of these things are essentially referred to as a brand in fact if you and when i have presented i often ask the crowd i say so tell me what is a brand and those are the exact kind of responses i'll get so in our world you know a brand is really the essence of the organization that then is transitioned to operations the culture internal stakeholder communications and ultimately through the promotional channels to reach and influence consumers, physicians, and other buyers of that particular brand. So we, uh, we talk about the ease, the effect, the expectations, and the essence of the brand. And that really has to all work together because a brand ultimately is a goal where you want to end up and the process of branding is really an organization strategy that goes through all those things we mm-hmm. talked about. So to achieve a brand goal, you have to go through naming and identity and cultural and promotional, inspirational aspects of it. But ultimately, that gets you to a brand, just like a Levi's, a BMW, um, a Lexus, or any of those. So we don't see them as individual identities or names. We see kind of the whole gestalt of their brand, including the promise that they make to the market. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to say it, right? The brand promise or, yeah. the, the, or the essence of their brand, right? When you think of like companies like Apple or VW or whatever, one of these big brands, right. you know, it, it, inside it just evokes a sense or even an emotion that yeah. people have. Yeah. And now there's been a lot of research around the, the emotional impact that brands have on people, right? Right, absolutely. And it's interesting when we talk about or we do that kind of research and we, we ask people what we call it a heartbeat brand, Chris. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that we have reached the most pinnacle point of relevance with a consumer. And that's the heartbeat. And a heartbeat brand, according to the research we conducted, it inspires, it educates, it excites, 
it, it's not quality and dependability. Those are just, those are part and parcel costs of entry to just being a product or service. You have to be dependable, you have to be quality. And a lot of healthcare organizations kind of f- default to quality, safety, and dependability. Sure. And what we have found is that to really do what you had said and to really create that emotional connection, it has to hit the heartbeat. And the heartbeat has to excite, insight, inspire and do all those other things that make it really relevant with consumers. And I always like to tell the story that after a long day, and I have a BMW, and it's an old BMW, but it works like a charm, which is why it's one of my heartbeat brands. At the end of a long day, and you get back in that parking garage, and you shut that door, it's quiet, you hit the button, and it starts, and things just work. Mm-hmm. And it's more than just dependability and quality. It's 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 exciting, it's inspiring, it's a way for me to escape. And those kind of attributes and those kind of findings from research allow organizations to find their heartbeat. And, you know, we talk a lot at these conferences, we talk about experience, the patient experience or the consumer experience, and I know that's been talked about a lot. And I think experience plays a lot into that what you call the heartbeat of the brand, right? That heartbeat brand. Right. So what's your tell me tell us a little bit about your perspectives around how does experience translate into brand and, and how does brand maybe impact experience? Well it is. It's a little I guess of that argument, chicken or the egg. Yeah. You know, which comes first? Is it the brand promise that then leads to an experience or is it the experiences that consumers have that lead ultimately to the brand. So I think from a strategic standpoint, which means being proactive and putting your stake in the ground, let's look at it from the standpoint that the brand determines the experience. Absolutely, as you go through the process of branding and you identify what makes your organization unique and what inspires and educates, excites people, Uh, around hospitals, there are a lot of those things, whether it's technology or it's safety issues or or what have you. Those need to be communicated internally and the stakeholders or teammates, whatever they're called, really need to understand their role in bringing that brand promise to life. And that's really what you were saying before. That's the brand promise. Right. So the experience is the fulfillment of the brand promise. And that's where sometimes the rubber doesn't hit the road because not every individual in that organization either buys into it, understands it, or educates, uh, is educated on it, which is why internal communications is so important Mm -hmm. as part of that. Mm -hmm. In my experience, a lot of times branding work begins within the marketing suite. But what you're what you've been talking about, right, is that it actually has an enterprise impact. Everybody's part of the brand, right, right. whether you want to be or not. Right. And it almost plays forward that idea of everybody in your organization is a marketer to a certain extent. Is that right? Well, it is, but I'll 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 push it back one step further because it really starts in your marketplace. The brand doesn't start inside. The brand starts on the outside with equity that you have, experiences people have expectations people have of your organization. And that's where research plays a critical role because you have to understand where you are before you can put your stake in the ground around a brand strategy. Because if it doesn't matter necessarily where the organization sees themselves or wants to be, if that is 180 degrees from where the marketplace sees it, they'll never achieve that goal. So it has to start with an understanding of where the brand is now and ultimately we like to call it the teeter-totter. You remember those, you know, as kids? So, you know, you got to kind of find that balance because if it's just the organization, well, that's like the 800-pound gorilla sitting on the one side and the consumer's way up in the air. So you got to kind of find that balance and say, okay, this is what we want to be, but where does the market see us? And then what's that balance? Mm -hmm. So the brand really does start on the outside, but you're absolutely right. It has to be carried through internally. Mm -hmm. And when that balance is achieved and that stake is in the ground, then the organization absolutely has to fulfill it. And every employee needs to be accountable for their role in delivering on that. So we live in a world now where everything seems to have its own brand. It's trying to compete for your attention as a brand. And, you know, in, 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 in our space, hospitals, health systems, we're finding a lot of outside influencers that are coming in being very very, you know, disruptive in the marketplace, so to speak. So tell us a little bit about some of the things that you see in the market today that hospitals, health systems, physician practices are facing with brand. Well, you know, honestly, they're their own worst enemies. 
and that's and that's really the truth. So what they're facing is essentially um, absolute vanilla monotony of messaging, and so they're their own worst enemies in making their brand essentially non-existent. Because the the focus groups that we do in markets where lots of dollars are spent, like take Chicago where I live, and there's probably quick ad about fifty million dollars spent between four large health systems in advertising, and we'll just take advertising, including digital and so forth. If I ask 10 people on the streets of Chicago to name a tagline, a brand of healthcare, they might know the name. They wouldn't know, quote, the brand. And I guarantee you, because we just did this in Chicago, they wouldn't know the tagline. And that's because organizations speak about themselves and they all use the same terms. And years ago, I wrote an article on, it was like George Carlin. Uh And it was the seven deadly words you can't say on TV. And Paul Sablowski and I, Paul's (laughs) with Texas Health Resources, quite a character. He and I wrote an article that was the seven deadly terms of healthcare marketing. And I don't know if I can recall them all, but you can probably guess. It's interdisciplinary. It's comprehensive. It's state-of-the-art. It's quality-driven. It's, I know I'm missing a couple. World-class care close to home. World-class care close to home and continuum and something, something like that. So, (laughs) and and so they're all using it and more and more. And it's just drives me crazy because (laughs) the opportunity to hit that heartbeat and to use terms Mm -hmm. that are relevant with people's life, whether they're single or divorced or they're, 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 you know, they have kids or they have, you know, a single dad. I mean, they're looking for different kind of words and emotions than interdisciplinary, state-of-the-art, continuum, comprehensive care close to home. <laughs> so, wow. So hospital. I feel like I got bingo. So <laughs> hospitals, they're their own worst enemy. Yeah. And so how do you stand out? Stand out. Yeah. And to your point, be disruptive. Yeah. You know, do something different. Stand out. Take a different avenue and and go in that direction. Is consumers have has their mindset shifted around hospitals, or is there a new way that they're looking at hospitals? I don't think so. I think that consumers look at hospitals the same way they did twenty years ago. The more focus groups no. we did, uh-huh. and uh, that we do. It's amazing. Uh, you know, we always try to recruit at quote a fifth grade level mm-hmm. because that's really where individuals are when it comes to their thoughts about hospitals. In a word, they don't think about it. They really don't. I mean, they go to their, you know, preferred hospital, maybe where they've had experience before, where their doctor, all those reasons why might differ from market to market, but they don't overthink it. And I think as hospital marketers, we do. And we have to kind of put ourselves in a more common denominator in terms of where consumers are to really, again, be relevant and resonate with them like other brands do. I mean, other brands don't overthink it. They make a simple promise and they tell a story in a unique, entertaining way and they stick to it. And hospitals probably need to start moving toward that because... People just don't overthink it. And that's why if you sit with a client in a focus group and if a name was changed 10 years ago and that consumer says the old name, you'll have a client jumping through the mirror. So we always bring a white jacket with us just in case. <laughs> because inevitably that's going to happen. They're going to we changed the name 20 years ago. But you know what? Consumers still call it the old name because they really don't pay that much attention to all the new systems. Oh my gosh. And it's totally true. It's so true. Yeah. It is so true. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so this is a podcast about digital. Yeah. So I heard you do that. Yeah, that's. (laughs) I heard you do that very well. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, So, in in that regard, you know, I'm wondering, like, your perspective on how digital has impacted the work that organizations have to do and the work that you do with organizations around mapping out their brand strategies, their brand architectures. What's your perspective on that? You know, uh, it's a great question, and it comes down to kind of this new word, whereas branding was all about storytelling, digital branding is really about content. And it, it kind of comes down to that. So an organization, much like they do with their brand development process, has to stake their claim in the kind of content that they want to make accessible to people online. 
and it has to be clear and it has to be unique and it has to be differentiated. So it's just like anything else on the brand side. And the ideal one-two punch is to have a brand that translates directly down to digital content so that whatever your promise is from a branding standpoint, your digital content reinforces it. It doesn't go in a different direction. And again, hospitals tend to maybe want to hit that fork in the road, digital and brand, and maybe go in two different directions. But I think as those departments consolidate, they're now at least going down a one-way path. And that makes, you know, I think a, a lot more sense for these organizations to make that impact. So it's not just slapping a new logo on a website and changing the colors then? Absolutely not. It's, uh, <laughs> that, those, it. Again, you know, those are probably those uh, same, like we said earlier, brands has 142 different definitions. That's probably the description of digital as well. Right. So right. it's about, you know, staking your claim, understanding what your cornerstone content is, and then viewing your digital strategies as ways to kind of bring people into, in our case, we we kind of, you know, the web is the mothership and mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, lines out there to bring people in. Uh, but just as a side note, again, from a lot of recent focus groups, people don't go to hospital websites. And I know this is, you know, kind of a disillusional maybe to some of your uh, listeners here, but they don't go to your websites. They go if there's a reason, i.e. find a physician, a location, an event, but they will not come to your website for healthcare information. And, you know, the three biggest hospital websites are Google, Bing, and Yahoo. Those are the where people go. And so where you show up in those search is everything about bringing them back into your mothership. I do always say to people, you know, your website, they don't come to your hospital website for fun. Right. They're there for a reason. <laughs> exactly. Right. But still, in order to, you know, to live your brand, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense is to cascade the tone, the voice, all those elements of your brand into your content and the experience that they right. have through your website. And, and hospitals, again, own worst enemies about that because... The website is a catalog of every possible offering at that organization, whether it's service line, educational event, or even a foundational uh, meeting or gathering. So what consumers tell us when we talk about hospital websites is they don't know where to look first because there's so much information. Mm -hmm. And if it were as streamlined as the brand, then an organization would have that effective one-two punch we talked about. Wow. That's a lot of things for us to think about. Yeah. This has been incredibly informative. Good. Um, yeah, like really, that. I really enjoy all the, all the good information here. So tell people a little bit more about how they can find out more about you, about Springboard, and uh, you know where they can find you online. Sure. Well, they can find our mothership at uh, <laughs> springboardbrand, all one word, dot com, and B-O-A-R-D, I hope springboardbrand.com <laughs> yeah. or they can uh, certainly email me at rob at springboardbrand.com the twitter is uh, at rob rosenberg and linkedin is i believe uh, rob rosenberg too that's right awesome yeah. rob thanks so much for your time today it's been great having you here yep thanks for having me chris awesome great job with this All right, and that wraps up, brings us to the end of episode 67 on branding and digital. Uh, good stuff, good conversations, and um, yeah, this is this is one we'll probably revisit, I would assume, a time or two over the next, what are we, 67 in? Probably over the next 67 episodes, I bet we talk about branding. So there you go. Um, and so again, thanks again for all the... Um, all the love, uh, listenership, loyal listenership, and uh, the advertising and sponsors. And just the support's been great, and it's allowed us to do a lot of really neat things, which includes uh, Touchpoint Media. The, the actual network that we're on uh, now has six shows and more to come. Lots of great stuff over there. We encourage you to go check that out. Subscribe over on iTunes. Rate, review. Just appreciate everything that you guys do. I've been listening to a couple of shows. The most recent one by uh, the, uh, the Exam Room about physician burnout is just probably one of the best podcasts I've heard recently on that particular topic, and it really applied to me. Give that a listen. Uh, it's just there's some great content out there. It's definitely worth giving it a listen. Very good. Well, uh, recommendations. What uh, 
What do you have? Reed, I'm going to recommend an app that's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, it just so happens living here in Minneapolis, you know, um, we are a Delta hub, and I'm going to recommend the Delta app. When you look at apps that are being developed for uh, for airlines, it's actually a good parable or a good, uh, you know, a good a good way to look at that as how it applies to healthcare because they're doing this, the things that we're trying to do when we're talking about branding and experience. So Delta's app provides you all the information that you need to know, not only on the trips that you're taking and the upcoming trips, uh, allows you to you know very quickly modify, change your seats, change your travel if you need to, if your travel plans change. It has a lot of information about your bags. You can track your bags through the, the app. I know that when I get off a plane, it gives me a notification that says your bag has been taken off the plane and it'll be in carousel, whatever, nice. to pick up. Um, it, has air, it has airport maps. It has... Uh, when you're flying, you can just log right in and you can view you know, content through the app directly so you can watch movies or whatever. They're really trying to tie the whole experience together. And um, you know, the, I think the most important thing, too, is you could track your mileage, your miles. You could track you know, h- how far you are along your different statuses. Just if you fly Delta, you definitely have to use the Delta awesome. app. Yeah, I use it quite a bit. It's, it really is, uh, from a UI standpoint, it, it's great. It's a really good one. Really good one. Uh, I'm going to go a little more analog. Uh, I have a multi-tool sitting here in front of me that is used for cycling primarily. Uh, Although I think it's pretty handy to just have in general. But anyway, it's it's built by a company called uh, Topeak, T-O-P-E-A-K dot com. It's called the Mini 9. And so it has, uh, of course, nine functions. So it's got a bunch of Allen wrenches. Uh, Phillips head screwdriver. It's got a torque wrench, a T25 torque wrench. Uh, has a little neoprene case, and so I keep it in my bag on my bike, and it it works really well, obviously, for common fittings on a bike, you know, especially all the Allen wrench. A cool little deal, uh, really well made, made out of aluminum, and uh, yeah, the Mini Nine is the one I have, and they've got a, they've got a ton of different ones, but I like the size of this one. Uh, it would fit uh, even you know if you if you carry a lot of equipment around if you do a lot of like content uh, like camera tripod you know all that kind of stuff drones etc it's small would fit down in your bag really nicely uh, a lot of common components that you would use so could use be used outside of cycling I use it for cycling oh wow I was out on my bike for an nice long bike ride this last weekend uh, now it makes me want to go out and take a look at that I'm gonna have to go check that one out. And by the mere fact that you said that you can put a drone inside of it, because what is a bike ride without a drone? Exactly. Right? Ooh, makes me think of a good app I'll recommend <laughs> next time, actually. Another good episode. Thanks again for listening. Uh, again, touchpoint.health is the website, and you can find us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. And uh, please reach out, let us know uh, what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next time. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.